We need energy. We need passion and focus from every Vault fan, alumni, coach, and athlete. Let's be so unified and enthusiastic that we even went over the naysayers. Loud noises! Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, palace coup time. Thinking you're going to go looking for a head coach and you're getting an athletic director time. I just want to put up my Christmas tree time. You never know what time it is in Tennessee time. Every day runs together time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker alongside Ryan Callahan and Patrick Brown. Ryan's first appearance on the podcast in a while. He's been, he's been, I don't know what he's been. Yeah. Just hadn't worked out. Yeah. Got a kid and everything's just falling apart. And then this search is falling apart, and just everybody's falling apart at this point. This has been, guys, if you have been, I don't know, out of the country, maybe you went on a cruise with your family, you wanted to get away from the world a little bit, you didn't use any technology. Maybe you've been in a coma. Yeah, something like that. You have been gone for about a week. I don't think that we have enough time to explain to you Everything that has happened at the University of Tennessee in the past week, it has been unbelievable. For a place that makes all of us so many times say, it'll never get crazier than that. No, this is rock bottom for sure. Oh, no. Oh, no. It can and does get weirder. Last Sunday was still pretty... uh Ridiculous. I think that that's going to be the leader in the clubhouse for a while. Oh, yeah. Now, I wasn't around when Lane Kiffin left, so I'm assuming that that night would be. That was fun. That was crazy, and it was absurd, but it was nothing like the whole Shiano situation. So, in case you missed our podcast earlier this week on Greg Shiano, you definitely should go back and listen to that. I will be honest with you, it's not as good as Shiano Man, the anthem that uh, PFT commenter and Barstool Big Cat and those guys came up with about Greg Schiano. That that won the internet probably for the decade. But we had a pretty decent podcast talking about Tennessee's hiring, potential hiring, maybe kind of sort of hiring of Greg Schiano and the fallout from that. And uh, But he wasn't hired very long, so he was gone. And then John Curry went back on the search, got told no a couple times, almost hired Mike Gundy, tried to hire... Let's see. Brom from Purdue. Well, they were well, all there were all sorts of people. Talk to him. Talk to him. Yeah. They they offered retur- Dave Doran, I guess. They were turned down by Gundy and Doran. And in between they kind of had a little flirt flirtation with Jeff Brom. There's a lot of conflicting stuff out there on that. They we talk, were talked we were, with Chad Morris. Talked with Chad Morris and then that just didn't go anywhere, I guess. Uh the Brom stuff, I guess, like it was either reported that they like had a deal and then it got nixed by the administration or that they weren't close to a deal. Now, we were told the f- the latter, which they weren't ever close to a deal. So I don't know that anybody got to a point where there was a deal to nix. Yeah, th- th- there's been a lot. It- it's been quite the <laughs> and quite that, the week. Tennessee getting Tennessee getting turned down by a coach with a 15 and 25, is it, career record in the ACC? Yes, <laughs> and he was offered his new deal at <laughs> NC State, was uh, had his salary a million dollars less. What Maybe, Tennessee offered? I, I'm, I might just be laughing because none of us have slept at all in the past week, but it, it has been something else. And then here's where it, it 
it gets to near Shiano levels of interesting. Well, I guess, should we talk about how excited we were on Thursday night? Yeah, that, that's where I was getting to. Okay, because go ahead. It's, you know, Thursday, John Curry, who was at that point Tennessee's athletic director, uh, but not suspended, so non-suspended athletic director, flies out to the West Coast, out to Los Angeles, has a meeting with Mike Leach, who has been someone I have been dying to cover for my entire professional career, more or less. And they had a good meeting. How many uh, How many Mike Leach gifts did you tweet well, during one, the course? One repeatedly. Just one? The, one? the one of him looking around for the coach's call and say go for two, and he's just like looking up at the stars. That one was fantastic. But I tweeted probably about ten Mike Leach Mike Leach gifts, not Mike Leach. Not the, Mike Leach, the average Cardinals, the, former Cardinals pitcher. The average former Cardinals and Reds pitcher who might be a better hitter than a pitcher. But So they had that meeting. That goes pretty well. They feel like they're gaining traction. A lot of people close to Leach think, hmm, this thing's almost a done deal. Wake up Friday morning, and not only is Mike Leach not Tennessee's football coach, John Curry is no longer Tennessee's athletic director. And John Curry's... Oh, no, he's still his athletic director, yeah. just athletic director suspended yeah. slash on leave with pay. And we find because out... They're, because they're trying to fire him for cause. Correct. And so we, they don't have to pay him $5 million. And we find out that that interview with Mike Leach might not have been anything like what we thought it was, that mm-hmm. it might have been essentially John Curry going rogue if you listen to Tennessee's side of things. And that's the side of things they're going to try to paint because they want to, as... As Pat just said, they they want to go uh, into this legally and say that they were able to fire him with cause, and subordination is one of the few things that you can usually get away with that. It might be a hard thing to prove. Sometimes it almost has to be called gross insubordination. Like, a little bit's okay, but not a lot. So maybe this is just a a play where eventually the two sides agree on a settlement fee and it moves on. If I had to guess, that would be my guess. I can tell you that Curry – He's uh, already exploring some some legal avenues, and we'll see what comes of that. But here, here's the bottom line. Tennessee's new athletic director is Philip Fulmer, old blue eyes. Got into the athletic department there, wiggled in as an advisor to the, to the president. People thought, hmm, he wanted to be Tennessee's athletic director, and he settles for an advisory position for a university and an athletic department who's run by a guy who helped fire him years ago. And little did we know that nine years ago to the day that we're recording this podcast and probably releasing it on on Friday night, Philip Fulmer, it was like one of those movies where this hero figure, the opening scene is like him getting thrown into prison or like his wife's leaving him for another man and, and he goes on this odyssey for years. He goes away. He he does some fishing out there at his uh out there at his outpost there in uh in Wyoming, and, and he goes and he does all of these things. Stay out of the spotlight. He builds himself back up. He comes back. He, he starts being around some basketball games. He he waves some hands. They 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 give him some some stuff around campus. Then he gets an advisory position in the athletic department. And then he completes his coup d'etat nine years after the fact and comes all the way back in the final scene to be the athletic director. And now we just wonder if, you know, at the end of those movies when they do like the text at the bottom of the screen that tells you how things ended and where it'd be like, and Tennessee went back to glory or 
this just made everything worse. We don't we don't know. We don't know, but we do know that if there was any doubt whatsoever that this for this past decade has been the most fascinating beat in all of college athletics, there is no doubt now. Remove all of it. This was insane. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, I, I'll say this. I mean, I know there were all kinds of people crying. You know, there were chance of fire Curry at the basketball game Wednesday night. There were all kinds of people talking it, talking about this possibility throughout the week after the whole Greg Schiano mess happened on Sunday. I didn't think it was going to happen at all. Certainly not during this search, though. I, I really didn't think it was ever going to come to this. Tennessee had five and a half million reasons not to do this. Like this yeah. is a potentially a lot of money to be paying an athletic director not to work for you. So this is a if depending on whether they can fire him for cause or whether that's disputed legally or whatever, this is potentially a really expensive move. And a lot of stuff had to happen behind the scenes, obviously for it to get to this point. And that, that leads us to, to where this search kind of is headed right now. And, and what we don't really know the answer to completely is where are things behind the scenes? Where is there this massive pass, uh, power struggle going on behind the scenes and among the power donors and everything like that, that's going to dictate how this search comes out and, and and is that ultimately what led to John Curry being fired uh, on on Friday? So, this, or or placed on leave for now and on you know essentially. Yeah, fired. Tennessee has two athletic directors right now. Yeah. Technically speaking, I suppose. Technically, I guess, but yeah, clearly the fact that they've referred to this as a transition of power or whatever Beverly Davenport said, this is obviously <laughs> a permanent thing. So, the fact that this happened, yeah, this what we don't know yet entirely is what is going on behind the scenes. There's all this talk of it, you know boosters kind of jockeying for position and trying to change the way things have been done. Maybe. It's Game of Thrones. Yeah. So this is this is an absolute mess. And uh, and certainly everyone, I mean, Tennessee tried to make the hiring promotion, whatever you want to call it, a Philip Fulmer, a triumphant moment that this, you know, they just want to talk about, hey, look at Philip Fulmer. Hooray for him. They wanted the last scene in the movie. Yeah. Let's not talk about everything that just happened for the past week. Let's just let's just celebrate Philip Fulmer's back in a, in a position of authority. But there's clearly a lot of chaos still going on behind the scenes, a lot that's happened in the past week, and a lot that's still unknown about how Tennessee can put this behind them and, and still get a good football coach. But obviously, I think there's a lot more optimism now from people, from fans, certainly, with Philip Fulmer in charge. Yeah, and you know, we, we get asked a lot on, on our board, on the checkerboard, why, why does this happen? Why did Tennessee do this? Nothing about the search has made sense, and not even from like the start, like, uh, you know, we were under the assumption that Tennessee was going to go after Dan Mullen pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And so Mississippi State loses on Thanksgiving night, and we don't really hear anything like, you know, we were expecting Tennessee to go, like, meet with him on, like, that Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't ever happen. <laughs> uh, maybe that's because, you know, did Mullen slow play or whatever? Why aren't you, you know, trying to go and, and trying to wrap him up if he's your guy before Florida even gets to that point? And yeah, and supposedly Mullen, and so that M- didn't make Mullen sense. might have been holding them off, but yeah, we don't know. And that. then it doesn't make sense that you go straight from, you know, Shiano, and there's some theories out there that Shiano was the guy from the start mm-hmm. uh, because of you know, his For connection. reasons unbeknownst to this guy over here. Because, yes, obviously, um, you know, the, the theory is that, oh, well, he was Jimmy Haslam's guy because Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, who obviously is involved in the big family that, Owns the state of Tennessee. Basically. Bill, Big Jim, whatever. Uh, interviewed Shiano for the Browns job, I think, in 2014. And really liked him. Maybe even wanted to hire him, depending on what Google search, you know, what, what, what stories pop up when you Google search this. Obviously, you know, Shiano had a lot of recommendations from Bill Belichick, Urban Meyer, whatever. 
And so it makes you wonder, Curry goes to the Bahamas. Not something you would do if you're really you know, doing a search necessarily unless you think you've got your guy. And then all this stuff happens, and then you, you, know, you, you, you make a run at Mike Gundy again. Why? Why do you not make a run at him earlier? He spurned you five years ago. Why are you trying to go there? Yeah, offering Greg Schiano $4.5 million over six years and then offering $7 million to Mike Gundy, that, that's, a, that's a, a, an order it, of succession in this search it, I could not understand. But it's weird you go from Gundy. It seems like they were going from one coach that would be great to another coach that was bad. So they go from Shiano. Nobody wanted Shiano. Tennessee should never have even tried there. Nobody is trying to hire Greg Shiano right now. There are a bunch of jobs open. Nobody is trying to get him right now. We had him on the hot board just because we heard that he was interested in the job. And we thought, man, if this thing reaches a catastrophically bad level, you might see him kind of wiggle his way in there. Not like right off the bat, he's going to be one of the top names and he's going to get the job. Yeah, and he was going to get the job. They had paperwork signed until everyone flipped out. And, and so they go from Shiano, who's a bad hire, to swinging for the fences with Gundy. They put $7 million on the table for him, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. And, and then, I think seven-plus incentives. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's, that's a base salary, of, uh, reportedly, of seven. And then they go, then they go to, to Brom a little bit. That would have been a hire that was welcomed. But then they go to Dave Doran, which was – he's ACC version of Butch Jones. Right? That, that, that's, crying out loud. Yeah, that skips about five steps when you go from <laughs> Mike Gundy, and 24 hours or so later you're going and, to Dave Doran. And then if you're Curry, you get turned down by Doran, which everyone, everyone on our Twitter timelines was like, thank goodness – I just wanted for Dave, for Dave Dorn's sake, I'd wanted that yes. to not happen. And then Curry tries goes and tries to hire Mike Leach, who clearly would have taken the job had they called at any point. Yes, and that's the move that gets John Curry fired. And well, and that's, him trying to make a good hire of a guy that would bring a lot of credibility to Tennessee, a lot of points, a lot of points, a lot, a lot of, of wins, a lot of fun. He's won at some outpost places. It'd be interesting to see uh, what he would do. You know, in the SEC with some SEC athletes with Give better him some resources, toys. it'd be interesting to see how his offense would handle in the SEC. He's been very outspoken. I'm not saying I was doing some research on this on Thursday night, but I, but I think I might have read a couple things where he was really outspoken about how believing his offense would work anywhere. It would have been fun to see that. All these things, and then you know, I think I told you guys like at some ungodly hour thir- uh, in the Friday morning, like. Yeah, it was. I mean, Tennessee can't it was like have two, three in the morning. Tennessee, we're all still texting. Tennessee can't have nice things, so they're going to find a way for this to screw up. Now, I did not think that John Curry would get fired. There were there were sort of like rumblings, kind of all week. Yeah, like Curry might get fired. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mentioned his name just because he's on the West Coast, and I don't think he would care anyway. My boy Ed Ashoff at ESPN. He and I were were talking at like probably three o'clock in the morning Eastern time, so about midnight or so out there where he is now on the West Coast, and. We were just texting, like, man, this really could happen. Like, are you hearing this could happen? Yeah. Are you hearing this could happen? Yeah. Like, we're all hearing this could happen. And then we just kind of started laughing. But it's Tennessee, so you never really know. And we were just kind of joking, but wow. Like, th- this thing had the – from the beginning, guys, unless I'm wrong, this to me looked like if you put a bunch of people in, like, a boat and they were trying to paddle it and they were really strong people – and they were both kind of paddling in different directions, you would really just kind of spin in circles. And that's what this whole thing was just like, whoever was, you know, paddling the hardest got the boat to move a little bit their way. It's almost like a seesaw or something throughout this. It looked to me like somebody was in charge here, somebody was in charge there, somebody's in charge here, somebody's in charge there. And I don't, 
if they were on the same page, they did a terrible job of making it look like they were on the same page because for everything that I could see, it looked like a rudderless ship almost. It looked like it was out of control. And it was because normally you see a pattern, right? You see a pattern. And, and I think Curry at the end of that thing was thinking, okay, let's get someone who's just completely different. Let's get someone who's fun. Let's get someone who people will enjoy. You know, let, let's get – because the guy you bring in is always different from the guy that you got rid of. If he was too, you know, offensive-minded, you bring in a defensive-minded guy. If the last guy was, you know, conservative, you bring in a more kind of progressive guy who looks outside the box and does things. And, you know, after all those Butch Jones press conferences and cliches and all these other things for five years, which made me insane, I'll only speak for myself, but made me darn near clinically insane, I think, you go to a guy who, well, this is going to be fun. Yeah, I, I was even to the point where I was showing like some of Leach's greatest hits uh, of interviews to my wife. Mm-hmm. She was like, this guy's awesome. I didn't have to do much research because <laughs> I am a Mike Leach aficionado. <laughs> I, I, you know, my boss, or our boss was laughing at me earlier this week saying, how can you watch that much Pac-12 football? I was like, no, I, I like Pac-12 after dark. I love Mike Leach. I watch his teams play because it's fun. It's fun. They do fun things. His press conferences are fun. You never know what's going to happen. And man, that would have been a that would have been a lot of fun. I'm going to cry about this for a second. Then I'm going to get over it. But you know, Tennessee, you had one job. You had one job, and that was to entertain me. In my this is in my head. And I thought in my mind, after five years of covering that, you get to cover Mike Leach. So it's like. You know, making up for it. It's like this is perfect. This is everything coming together. These I was just thinking in my head about these interviews and how great or terrible but fascinating they were going to be. I was so happy. And and then I woke up in the morning and uh, someone had stolen all my Christmas trees and presents. And the house wasn't decorated and there was no Santa and nothing was good in the world. It was terrible. And... And this was the move that ultimately got John Curry fired. Now, I think we believe that it's because he... But do we do we know that, though? Because the, the inter- interesting thing is Beverly Davenport said she had summoned John Curry back to Knoxville Thursday afternoon, which may or may not have been. I guess it may not have been. But it may have been. We, why are you even talking to this guy? Yeah, and it may have been... They may have been planning to fire him before he even went out there. But she said we, we gave him full authority to go do the search. Yeah. That's where that's where something doesn't add up. There's a theory that you know there's a mutiny among a lot of people still boosters. think that, yeah, a lot of people still think this is more about the Shiano thing and that he's getting the blame for that than it and is then, about the Mike Leach discussion. And then you know the national media has been very inter- intertwined in this whole thing because they've been you know there was all the the Shiano men caught, you know they were all sticking up for the guy. Suppose, some of them, some of them were not. Not a, not everybody. Shout out to Andy Staples, friend of the program. Yeah, uh, FOP, but, friend of the pod. But everybody else, I mean, even, you know, Pat Forty went on some, he even took it a step further and wrote something about something that Mike Gundy did with something when, you know, where was the outrage about he had a player that did this that was bad. And, you know, it was like, really? Like, come on. But, like, you know, the, on, on Friday morning you have the national media reporting that, you know, uh, you know that there was mutiny and, and Curry was, you know, people were trying to – undermine him at every turn that you know that the they leaked the shiano deal to try to get it nixed that you know fulmer is trying to sabotage everything i mean i'm sure a lot of that was probably coming from john curry himself if we're being honest yeah that's the theory there mm-hmm. but 
it just, you know, it, I don't, and Davenport didn't say this on Friday. She didn't reveal at what point it was determined that Curry was done. Um, and I think what, I think what Tennessee, the only, the only thing that we've come up with in terms of how they could fire him with cause. And now they're trying to get out of a five and a half million dollar buyout because his, his buyout is a hundred thousand dollars for every month that was left on his contract. Well, his contract runs through the end of June, 2022. So there's a lot of time left on the deal. He's only that's, been here that's eight an months. Extended period of time from now. That's and it, it is not all up front. So it would be over time, but I, I guess the only thing they could fire him for would be insubordination. It's only th- unless there's some skeleton in that closet somewhere. That's unless they've checked bad. his phone records and he's been calling escort services. Yeah. Shout uh, out to Hugh, Hugh Freeze. Yeah, way to go, Hugh Freeze. Moral turpitude. Good Christian man. If they, you know, the, the way that this whole thing, I, I, I want to be careful how I put this because I have a lot of friends who are good people, who are national writers, do a great job. It's an impossible job, and they do a, they do a good job of it. But to do the jobs that some of them have to do, You've got to be pretty good with, you know, agents. You've got to be pretty good with those kind of people. And we all know Jimmy Sexton is an incredible power broker in the business. And if you do something to harm one of his guys, and Shiano was one of his clients, you were going to have to pay for that. And that, to me, you know, Shiano's got his clique of guys, and he's a Sexton client, and you put all that together, you start putting the pieces together pretty quickly on how this thing went down and, and who's telling who what. And it, it seems to me pretty obvious that, that that was happening. And then Friday morning, I think it's pretty clear that Curry had spoken with some people, and uh, I, I think there was uh, hell to pay on, on some of this. But uh, I've taken to the defense of Tennessee fans all week. I know that it's probably a strange position for many of you, not hating my guts for a little bit, but I was honest back then. I'm honest now about what I think, and I think Tennessee fans were unfair but I don't think the reason for what they were doing, what they were doing, was bad. I think they went to extreme, harsh ends to get a justified result. And I think the, the end result is what Tennessee needed, yes, I think. The ends justify the means, and I, I, I don't want to – there's probably a better way to put it than that, but I, I think that they went through sort of some harsh, harsh methods to get a fair result. And that, that is what it is. But, but now it, it's – the question is – did this stop the bleeding? Is everybody going to get back on the same page now? And let, let's be honest about this. I'm probably giving away a column that I'm going to write pretty soon. But last time Philip Fulmer, you know, we, 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 we talk about Game of Thrones, chaos is a ladder. Philip Fulmer took Tennessee's head football coaching position under a cloud of uh, chaos, basically. And what happened after he got there was a whole lot of good things for a whole lot of years. And then it went bad again, but Philip Fulmer had an ability once to step into a situation, even if he partially caused it himself, that was that was kind of crazy, and he got everybody on the same page, and he got the boat rowing straight. And now the question is, can he do that again? Will he be as effective a leader as an athletic director as he was for most of his coaching tenure? Well, you, listening to him talk uh, on Friday, you could definitely tell that he commands a room. Now I I have no familiarity with him. I never covered him. Old blue eyes. We go back. Um, and so he he was the coach. Uh, you know I I grew up watching Tennessee and he you know he was the coach and for all, all that time. But I never covered him. I don't I don't know him that well. I, but I, you can tell the times that I've spoken, times that he's been in interviews and stuff like that. You know he commands your attention when he talks. 
and, and as you mentioned, Wes, can you get everybody going in the same direction? I don't know. It, there's a lot of people you got to get going in the same direction, and not everybody sees the same page, and that's why there's been so much infighting and pointing of fingers and uh, so many, you know, if 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 the behind the scenes of this Tennessee football program was a Facebook status, it would be it's complicated. Yeah, it's very complicated behind the scenes, yeah. and you got a lot of people that, as you again, as you point out on on Twitter, Wes, if they love Tennessee as much as they claim to, why would they make it look this bad? Because I think some of them have sort of a. I don't want to call it a God complex, but a, a complex it, that makes them it, think that they're the ones who can fix it and everyone needs to do it their way and no one needs to listen. These other people have bad ideas. They're why this thing got off the rails. I have the ideas. I have the power. I can fix this. And you get a whole bunch of people who are just alphas and you put them in a room together and you uh, have chaos because you don't have a kind of a leadership structure. And and then you wonder, sitting, up, you know, sitting there watching this on Friday – why didn't they just do this in March? Why didn't they just hire Fulmer as the athletic director back in March instead of Curry? And yeah. that's a lot of things where a lot of people maybe thought that Fulmer was going to get it. Hearing Beverly Davenport you know, have to answer that question during the press conference. You, yeah. know, you mentioned that sitting Power 5 experience as an athletic director was important. <laughs> Not anymore, apparently. And now <laughs> that you're hiring a guy who has no athletic director experience, it's an interesting transition. And, and I think what her answer, she didn't say it in so many words, but she basically said, you know what? We need someone who understands this place, understands this fan base. And while John Curry clearly had been at Tennessee for a long time, clearly understood the fan base, it didn't appear like he understood the fan base and what Tennessee needed. And that's whether that's fair or not, that's gonna that's how he's going to be remembered is for trying to hire Greg Schiano, whether that was his call ultimately or or he was being forced to to go after him by a you know power boosters or whatever. That's that's good. What he's going to be remembered for, and that is a tone deaf decision, obviously in Tennessee fans' minds, and understandably so. And I don't think with Philip Fulmer's AD, you would have seen that happen. So a lot of people, I think, are are energized by this. And and like you said, Patrick, Philip Fulmer commands a room. And if you are just a fan listening to what he said, he said a lot of things that I think I think some fans are pretty excited about this, and they and they probably should be. Um, whether he can get the things done that he wants to do remains to be seen. But he he said, hey. Let's go. He's telling the coaches, "Hey, let's let's have fun and win championships." That's the kind of thing people want to hear. And and I think he he was almost giving a locker room speech of sorts to to the fan base and trying to get them to understand they've got to pull in the same direction now and get some things accomplished uh, to to get this football program going the right way. Yeah, uh, most of the uh, of the mo- the most powerful sort of football coaches are no different from the most powerful politicians, the most powerful CEOs. I've been around a, a good number of these people through the years and different for different reasons. And the thing about all of them is they have a very special ability to walk into a room, to command it, and to get not just to get your attention, but to make them to make you feel like they're paying attention to you. I remember so many conversations over the years with Philip Fulmer, and I started covering him as a snot-nosed 17, 18 year old kid and kind of rose up through the ranks and eventually, I started working for places where he had to deal with me more and, but, but he was never disrespectful or anything. He always, he kept your attention and would talk to you and he, he genuinely kind of got to know you and kind of commanded your respect in a way. And and I don't mean that in like a a reverent way. I mean that in just a respectful way, like, okay, this guy's talking, I'm going to hear him out. And, And I remember I would always do this as a journalist anyway, but I remember there were times when I had to write stories 
And I was like, you know what? I think this is fair, even though it's a little harsh. But I need to talk. I'm going to talk to Philip about this one one more time just to make sure. Like, okay, listen, here's the deal. This is, you know, here's some questions. Are you sure that this is what you're saying about this, basically? Or Because he kind of would give that respect to you. And, and it's not like, a, I don't remember him ever telling me don't write something. It was never like that, you know, because anyone who knows me knows I would laugh at that. But he just had a way of showing you respect and showing you attention. I think I've told this story before, but one time he was out there at his compound in Jackson Hole, and this is back when people had palm trios, you know, in that, those kind of days in the early blackberries. Mm-hmm. And he dropped his in the water when he was fly fishing. And I remember I, I called him that day because I needed something from him. And it was he. It was weird that, one, he didn't pick up, but, two, he didn't call back later. And it's like, oh, that's weird. Well, whatever, tried him later, couldn't get him. It's like, did I, did I irritate him? What, what's going on here? The next day he calls me back, and he called me three times. I didn't hear the phone ring. I was during covering a Rocky Top League basketball game. You know it's really loud in there. He called three times, and at the end of it, he left a message, like a four- or five-minute voicemail, by apologizing because he dropped his trio in the water the day before. He had one next day aired to him out there at Jackson Hole. And he said, well, you know, whatever, it's, it's, it's Vicky's birthday or something. Like, you know, we're, we're going out tonight doing something, so I won't be able to talk later. But here – here are some answers to what I think you're probably calling about. And he gave answers, and by God, that's why I was calling him. And I had the quotes from a voicemail. It's just things like that that you don't really ever see anymore, but it's it's people who are some of the best politicians, some of the best coaches, some of the best CEOs. Those people have that attention to detail, that respect, but ultimately they also have that kind of power. And he has that. You look at him, and he could have been a politician, could have been a CEO because he's got that kind of personality. Well, unless you mentioned a key word for something I wanted to bring up, obviously politician is something that's been thrown out there about Philip Fulmer a lot. And and there's this storyline out there that's probably been put out there by John Curry's people a little bit, trying to change the storyline, change the narrative a little bit, but making it sound like Philip Fulmer was trying to undermine John Curry to get the AD job. Do we buy that? Is there a reason to think that's possible? Or do we think that's just spin to make it look better for John Curry on the way out? There's absolutely reason to think it's plausible. Absolutely. I, because I, because of the whole Phil Fulmer major thing sure. years ago. Yeah, I, I I mean, I think it's plausible. But there's also, I think, a lot more people involved in this yeah. that, that pushed for this to happen behind the scenes. Um, the interesting thing about this to me is that the Haslam fan, or, or Jimmy Haslam, supposedly support, you know, pulled John Curry out as an athletic director candidate back in the spring and did not support Philip Fulmer. Obviously, Haslam signed off on the firing of Philip Fulmer back in 2008. Where do Fulmer and Haslam stand, and, and is that going to be a power struggle at all as they look to hire a coach? And, and you know, we talk about power. Is is Fulmer going to have the power to, to hire who he wants to hire without mm-hmm. a bunch of people trying to put their hand in the cookie jar? And is he going to, have enough, is he going to be powerful enough to get somebody that doesn't have Tennessee ties? I'm. I don't think a Tennessee guy is necessarily the answer. I don't think there's a clear-cut Tennessee guy that out there that's going to kind of come in and turn around this program. Uh, you're looking at guys like David Cutcliffe, who might be back in the mix now that Fulmer, his old boss, is is the AD. He's what 63. He's won a lot of games at Duke. I think he would do well here. One of the best offensive coaches I've ever been around. Yes, but would he be able to get Tennessee competing with Georgia and Alabama? I don't know. Depends on what his staff would look like. I think he could, but I understand people thinking he couldn't. And, and there's a lot of people that think, as people we've talked to throughout the search, that he's comfortable 
in Durham and, and wants to retire as, as Duke's coach. But then come move back to East Tennessee because it's home. And, and, yeah. you, and you raise a p- and good point, Patrick. David Cutcliffe's 63. A lot of people, I think, feel he's a few few years older than that. Les Miles is older than David Cutcliffe, and we're getting a lot of talk about Les Miles and fewer people talking about David Cutcliffe, even though that name obviously came up earlier. I, I mean, I think Cutcliffe would be a good hire. I think he's the guy that Tennessee should have hired in 2010. Yep. So I, I think you, you've missed the boat there. I think you missed the window. Yep. Kevin Steele, his record at Baylor, I know it was a long time ago, but it's not very good. Uh, and he's only, you know, he's been a defensive coordinator lately. If he, if you got him to be your defensive coordinator, that'd be an excellent hire. It'd be a home run hire. I mean, he's done amazing things with that Auburn defense this year. T. Martin, there's some questions about how good a coach he really is in, in the profession. There really is, and and whether he would be a good head coach because yeah. he's never been one. Yeah, exactly. And you know, he he's recruited well. I think if you went and really delved into USC's recruiting, how many times have if you compared USC's recruiting now to maybe what they did when they had Pete Carroll there, and we're pu- and we're plucking five star kids from all over the place. Now they're getting, you know, they're doing well in California, but that's an easier place to recruit to. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what USC does in the uh, Pac-12 championship game, but there's some questions about how, how good a coach he is. And, and I think he, there's some upside with T, mm-hmm. but there's probably would be some learning on the job. And, but at the same time, he probably needs some good coordinators. You need some good coordinators and you probably need some veteran coaches. And then you'd also need, he, he'd also probably get some time, extra time just because of what he was as a player here. And, yep. and because of that angle. So, is Fulmer going to go down that road? It seems like the names, the, the three names that make the most sense right now, as we're talking right now, are probably those three guys, Cutcliffe, Steele, and, and Martin. But can they get back in it with a guy like Jeff Brom? Is, is Chad Morris still on the table? He uh, does someone like, like a Kevin Sumlin come back into play maybe? Yeah, I mean, there's just yeah. – do they go outside the family? Yeah. Because I don't know that hiring a, a Tennessee guy is necessarily – because there's not a clear-cut one out there right now. There's not, there's not a Scott Frost. Tennessee doesn't have a Scott Frost out there right now. Like, Nebraska's about to hire Scott Frost, and they're probably going to do well because he's a really good coach. But Tennessee doesn't have that equivalent out there right now, I don't think. Yeah, I think the the, the thing I was going to mention about, you know, Fulmer and did he usurp power and all that, I'll, I'll be quick about this. But I think that – I want to be clear about this. I don't know that I've ever been around anyone who loves the University of Tennessee or cares more about the University of Tennessee than Philip Fulmer. And I think there is nothing – short of truly terrible that he wouldn't do to get in charge of the place he loves. And the reason I say that is because I think he's probably seen what's happened the past decade. And as much as, as, as he was felt some scorn at the way it ended, I think he just loves Tennessee and wants Tennessee to be great. And he thinks he's the one who can do it. So he probably in his mind could justify doing some things to orchestrate a house of cards style coup <laughs> And, and make things happen. So I, I can't rule that out. But I, I think it comes from a place where he felt like there for three decades, Tennessee was at its best when Tennessee was one family, when Tennessee had people. You know, Phil Fulmer walked in the building. He knew who the custodial staff was. He knew their spouses' names. He knew their kids' names. He knew everything about everybody, and everybody knew everybody. And there was a... a a lot of camaraderie in those days. There was a lot of people pulling in the same direction. When they won, they won together. When they lost, they lost together. They were good to each other uh, for the most part, with some exceptions. And, and I think that he wants that sort of feel to get back into it. And I think his players who played in that era fully believe the same thing. So I think why you've seen this coup is because you, those guys say, you know what, we gave outsiders a chance and this is what they did. And they think that they will work harder 
that they will work smarter, that they will put more blood, sweat, and tears into this program than anyone else will, and they think they're the ones to fix it. And, hey, more power to them. And now you've got your chance. Now this is your this is your deal now. So you wanted it. The dog caught the car. Now you got to do something with it. And, yep. and that's what we're going to see. And I think this coaching search will be a good first step. Are they going to do what some people used to criticize Fulmer for, which is staying in the family and not looking outside? Or will that be something that's well-received because people are saying, you know what, if they're going to have to screw this thing up, at least screw it up with Tennessee people. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we've seen a lot of players tweet stuff about T. Martin. I mm-hmm. think if they hired T, it would be universally accepted yep. mm-hmm. by a lot of people. Definitely at this point in the search. Definitely at this point. But it's a total risk. I mean, you have no idea how this guy's going to be. You don't know if he's going to be Kirby Smart or you don't know if he's going to be uh, whatever the opposite of Kirby Smart is. Yeah. I don't even think Kirby Smart's that so, great a coach. I think he's up doing a good situation. Some but. people, fair or not, still wonder about him as an offensive coordinator. USC's put up some good numbers this year, but they also have Sam Darnold. So what, do we know much about T. Martin even as an offensive coordinator, much less as a, it, as a head coach? It would be a complete unknown, but it would make a lot of people happy. And maybe at the end of all this, <laughs> maybe you just want to make people happy and have people in the seats next year. Well, if you're going to have to go through – a small rebuilding process here because let's not forget this team did have talent had a lot of injuries so there was some talent there but it went 0-8 in the SEC so let's just assume that this team's not going to compete for a national championship next season okay let's just throw that out there safe assumption let's just throw that out there if you have to rebuild I understand the argument that fans here will be more patient with someone like T someone they love someone they know someone they feel like bleeds the same way they bleed when things go wrong and cares as much as they care. Yes, I think Joe Q. Public and Jane Q. Public will be more patient with someone like T. Martin than they would with other people. But if you're Tennessee, you you also – you're taking a risk no matter what you do. But there's part of me – there's two schools of thought here, and I don't know which one I'm leaning toward yet. But Phillip's either going to do everything he can to do the best thing, and that means hire anybody to get this thing fixed, or – there's also part of me that thinks Philip is sentimental. He's loyal to his people. He loves Tennessee. He wants Tennessee people. And that's the direction he's going to go to, to stabilize this thing. And they got to do whatever they got to do to limit the number of cooks in the kitchen because there are too many and it's causing problems. And when you win, you can mask those. But when you lose, you can't. And they got to get everybody rowing the boat in the same direction or – this is going to be just a more expensive problem than it already is. Yeah, and they already could owe a lot of money by the time the Shiano, the, the, the Shiano lawsuit that's likely coming this next week, uh, a, lot, a lot to be determined. But a couple final thoughts on this. Fulmer, um, I thought his comment at the press conference Friday was really interesting um, that when he was asked about you know what essentially the profile for a likely head coach, and he said he's looking for a head coach, assistant coach, coordinator, whatever, and he noted, hey, I was never a head coach before I was hired here. And I, I that was an interesting thought. Uh, I, I don't think he was saying I'm definitely going to hire an assistant, but shows you he's clearly open to that idea more so than I think they were at one point in the search when they were very much looking for, despite the Shiano pursuit, a sitting head coach, if at all possible, aside from Greg Shiano. Um, the other thing is Patrick had the, the interesting point that as we, as we move into the weekend here, you know, guys are wrapping up their regular seasons, the ones who are playing in championship games that were not finished before. You know, Kevin Steele, T. Martin, those guys will be wrapping up their seasons over the next uh, next hours as this comes out. And there are some more dominoes potentially that could impact Tennessee's search. Does Willie Taggart come into play at Florida State and get that job, thereby opening up the Oregon job that then gives Tennessee more competition for its opening? Does uh, 
that something else happens somewhere else that opens up another job that causes makes Tennessee's job even tougher. Um, you know, Arkansas is already in play. That could be a factor with guys like Chad Morris that Tennessee still might have interest in. So there's some interesting dominoes, I think, that still could fall that could make things even tougher for Tennessee than they already have been. So keep an eye on that as we move over uh, into this uh, second full week, I guess, of craziness in the Tennessee search. Do I think Fulmer's going to call Gruden again? <laughs> <laughs> you just had to throw that out there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. would be that. Would, I'm it, just it, reading our boards, and people have, are throwing it out there. You the know, only whatever. thing this needs is groomers. That's the only if, thing this needs. It's more groomers. I'm not saying there's any more cowbell, more groomers. Yeah, I'm not saying there's any truth to that at all. I don't think there is. But if Tennessee never oh, actually stop it, no. But if Tennessee actually never made a run at him, if the Shiano, you know, if the Shiano story out there that he was the number one choice all along, it's if not that's what true. we reported. Stick to stick to our line. Right? I, yeah, I don't think that's what happened. But if there was some truth to that. It does make you wonder, could Tennessee make another run at it and have a little bit more of a shot? But I don't think so. I, I think it's still out of the question. I will say this before we uh, get out of here, that I, I think that say what you will about the, the level of respect or, or whatever or, or not that Fulmer has had for the people he works for in some situations, but Fulmer has always had a tremendous amount of loyalty to people who work for him. And I think in this search, that's something that a lot of the football guys, a lot of those people, uh, they're going to know that. And I think that will make Tennessee attractive because football coaches don't mind working for former football coaches because they feel like those people understand their problems and will help them as much or more than anyone possibly could. So I, I hope that this is sort of a, a unifier for Tennessee. I hope this provides some stability because as good as the instability is for business, boy, it is not fun for anything else. And I, I hope, hope, hope that they kind of get this thing in a more stable direction anyway. You know, let, let's, just, let's just tone down the crazy a little and, bit. And I think whatever decision is made now will be easier for fans to swallow because Philip Fulmer is leading the, leading the charge. I think, I think, you know, if it's T. Martin, if it's someone like that, I mean, obviously I think people will be on board with the Tennessee guy, but even if it's a Chad Morris or something, someone like that who may not, be as, may not have been as exciting at the start of this search, I think fans will be fine with that and they'll be behind it because – Philip Fulmer was the man in charge, and whether he ultimately was the one who made the decision or had a lot of help in it, they will at least feel better about it because I think they feel feel more confident in the guy leading the way. I think that's fair. Patrick, any final thoughts on this? No, we're good. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, I don't I don't I'm not done, but <laughs> I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> I'm not done. I'm just done talking right now. I'm over it. Guys, thanks for hanging with us there. Thanks for, for being patient that we didn't have a podcast for you on Friday mornings like we normally do. I hope you'll forgive us. It's been that kind of a week. But you still get a Friday podcast, and now you get old blue eyes back as your football coach so or your athletic director. See, we don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah, we're all delirious. Hopefully, a few hours sleep. Hopefully the next time that we bring you a podcast, it'll be to talk about Tennessee's football coach, and this can return to some sort of normalcy. Patrick, you sure you don't have any final thoughts? Nope. <laughs>